ESPN Sports Radio 1392.5. Now for something completely different. We're going to bring, bring it all together. Because that's the bottom line. Bottom line. ESPN Radio, well, 1,392.5. It's the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Thank you so much for joining us on this Saturday morning. Miss Judy, we had this lecture yesterday. Please take your pills this morning or there will be no derby glasses for you this year. Thank you for joining us here on uh, the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel, sports talk from a handicapping perspective. 859-381-1313 is the number to call if you'd like to join in on the conversation. You can email us anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. On today's show, it's a Saturday's, uh, just like last weekend. It's a, We're getting uh, our regulars now on Saturday, at least for the last couple of weeks. Brian Howard of Stable Duel will come on to give us his Keeneland picks for today. And we could take down uh, t- Dead Air Dennis from our sister station, 92.1 Classic Rock. Man, I'm sick and tired of that guy walking around here like he owns this place now. Just because he can pick a couple of horses, who cares? Nobody cares. Brian will help us put him in his place today. And then our old friend Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast will join us to talk Major League Baseball and the NFL Draft. In case you have not been paying attention, the NFL Draft is 12 days away. And we will talk about that. And quite possibly one of the greatest follow-the-money propositions ever regarding the draft. And of course, the most profitable segment in Lexington Radio, our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks, presented by Jake Cigar Bar. Coming off a 4-1 weekend last week in Major League Baseball. All that and much, much more coming up on this week's Saturday edition of Lexington's fastest-growing sports talk radio show. But first, Pink Floyd. Speaking of our sister station, 92.1 Classic Rock and that dead-air Dennis guy, if you listen to that station, you're guaranteed to hear Pink Floyd played from time to time. Myself, I'm an old-school R&B guy, 80s and 90s. Keith Sweat being one of my favorites off the top of my head. I have a great Keith Sweat monologue that I'm saving for an event that fits it. I met him at a Target in Alpharetta, Georgia one time, but I digress. But Pink Floyd was one of the biggest bands of what they call the progressive rock era. Their biggest album was in 1973, and it was called Dark Side of the Moon. In fact, only four albums in the history of music have sold more copies than Dark Side of the Moon. Michael Jackson, ACDC, and Meatloaf. Really? Meatloaf? I met him in Las Vegas once. We were playing Fantasy Baseball League. Nice guy, but terrible at fantasy baseball. But what did he care? He was a bajillionaire. That's another story for another day as well. In fact, in 1991, I actually saw Pink Floyd in concert at Bobby Dodd Stadium in Atlanta. It wasn't my idea. I had some friends who were into them and invited me to go. And I was a kid who hadn't been in Atlanta very long, and the only life I knew at the time was farm life in Madison County. So let's just say... I got my money's worth that night, a night I will truly never forget, to say the least, and the smell of my clothes that I wore that night lasted through several trips in the washer and dryer, but I digress. But think, Pink Floyd not only had the fourth highest selling album of all time, but that album spent more weeks on the Billboard Top 200 album chart than any other album in history. 
957 weeks. I'll do the math for you. 957 weeks is the equivalent to about 18 and a half years. So what was the inspiration for this huge moneymaker? Boy, they had to really get their their minds together and really just go in a bunker and just, you know, come up with some way to make the, one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Well, the members of this group have denied this for decades now. But the real reason and the real inspiration behind this was the Wizard of Oz. Now, I know you've heard of the Wizard of Oz. But one night back in the 90s, you remember the 90s, back when the internet was first getting started. Well, back then, some college kids were up at around 4.20 in the morning one night, eating some brownies, if you know what I mean. And they made the discovery that if you start the Pink Floyd album, Dark Side of the Moon, during the opening credits of The Wizard of Oz, that the music and the movie are a perfect match. And the music corresponds with the movie to a T. And of course, all the members of Pink Floyd deny this to this very day, saying this is just something that some crazy kids came up with too much time on their hands and stuff like that. But the proof is undeniable. If you start that album, the fourth highest selling album of all time, mind you, if you start that album during the opening credits of The Wizard of Oz, you basically get a soundtrack for the movie. And why wouldn't the members of Pink Floyd deny this? Dark Side of the Moon sold 45 million copies. It's their cash cow. It will be their lasting legacy. Why would they admit this and ruin all their concerts for the next few decades? That would just be dumb. But the facts are there. And we love a good conspiracy theory here on the bottom line with Brad Taylor, ESPN Radio 1392.5. And I'll go to my grave saying that Pink Floyd basically just copied The Wizard of Oz for the fourth highest selling album in history. That's actually a good idea. I'm going to see if I can do the same for Caddyshack one day. I wonder how that'll go. I'm not a fan of The Wizard of Oz, but I do know the biggest line from that movie. There's no place like home. I don't know what song Pink Floyd got from that line. I don't know what was playing when that scene came on. But if you equate that to this year's National League Central Division leading Cincinnati Reds, who currently sit at 8-5, and five, but for the Reds, there's no place like home. After a big win, 10-3 last night over Cleveland, the Reds are now 6-1 and one at home on the season and 2-4 and four on the road. Now the Reds have scored 67 runs in seven home games this season. Those 67 runs scored represent more runs than any other National League team has scored in the entire season. Think about that for a minute. The Reds have scored more runs in home games this season than any other National League team has scored all year in home and road games combined. That's impressive. This is mainly due to the fact that they lead all of Major League Baseball in home runs with 22, led by Nick Castellanos and Babe Ruth slash Tyler Naquin with five each. Of course, it took Castellanos 53 at-bats to get his five home runs, while Naquin has only needed 34. That's 19 fewer at-bats. But, of course, we all knew this about Naquin uh, before the season started a couple weeks ago. Uh, Of course we didn't, because it wouldn't have happened if Jesse Winker didn't get sick the first weekend of the season, and Naquin tried to wally-pip him by just taking his place. By the way, we always love to start controversy here on the bottom line. 
Tyler Naquin played five seasons for Cleveland. And lo and behold, Cleveland comes into town last night. And Tyler Naquin off to a great start. Don't you think that most managers would put Naquin in the lineup just to stick it to his old team? Oh, I do. Heck, I'd, if I was the manager, I'd be making him lead off three times in this series, three games in a row. And if I called the shots, I would just look at him and say, oh, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, look, we got this guy, now he's great. And you guys had him, and he wasn't very good at all. But oh well, I guess I am just a bitter sports talk radio host and not an actual Major League Baseball shot caller. Well, in my mind, you start Naquin just to show that you're with him and, you're got his, and you've got his back, but I digress. But this home domination comes after a 2-4 and four road trip for the Reds where, to be honest, they were lucky to win two. And if you look at every analytic, especially on offense, the Reds have been much more impressive at home at Great American Ballpark. And yes, we know the season is only 16 days old, but it's still a signal of what might be coming up this season. But more importantly to us, the Reds are finally making us some money at home. Why do we say finally? For the last six seasons before this year, going back to 2015, the Reds have been a huge money pit out in the desert at home. The Reds haven't had a home field advantage in six seasons whatsoever. From 2015 to 2020 at Great American Ballpark, the Reds went 230, excuse me, 203 and 228. That's 47.1%. Oh, but they weren't very good some of those seasons. So they probably made some money because they were underdogs in a lot of those games. Nope. If you blindly put $1 on the Reds every home game from 2015 to 2020, you'd be down $32.91. That's a return of investment of negative 7.6. And in fact, the Reds are the second worst team in all of Major League Baseball at home during that time at, in terms of cashing tickets, trailing only the pathetic Detroit Tigers. In other words, investing in the Reds because they're at home has been a terrible choice since 2015. But none of that matters here in 2021. The Reds are 6-1 and one at home now. And if you blindly invested $1 in every Reds home game this season on them, you'd be up $3.48. That's a 49.7% return on investment. Yeah, it's a small sample size. But that's third in Major League Baseball at home this year behind only the Phillies, and Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's what happens when you're a lousy team like Pittsburgh is, and you win a few games at home because you're a huge underdog. The Dodgers are a perfect 6-0 and at home, but they are fifth on the list of moneymakers out in the desert, even though they have a perfect record. Why? Because there are such huge favorites every night, it's tough to make a profit on them, even if they run the table. But this afternoon... 340, right here on ESPN Radio 1392.5. Reds in Cleveland, game two from Great American Ballpark. Reds sitting at about a minus 140 favorite this morning. Of The money is evenly split in the desert on the, uh, the sides in this game. Total eight and a half in this one. Big majority of the money on the over in this one. For Cleveland, Tristan McKenzie will be the starter. No record, 4.70 ERA in one start. We don't have a whole lot of history on this kid making his eighth career start, but it is seven career starts with Cleveland, 3.51 ERA, and a good ERA plus of 131. The average pitcher is 100. But Cleveland is 3-4 and four in his starts with a negative 28.1 return on investment in the desert. Why is that? 
because Cleveland was favored in five of seven of McKenzie's seven career starts, and they're three and four in those games. That's how you have a return on investment of negative 28.1%. Sonny Gray is making his first start of the season for the Reds today in 42 career starts in Cincinnati. Gray has a 3.07 ERA and a very impressive ERA plus of 157. For our purposes, trying to handicap this game today, the Reds are 25-17 and 17 in Gray's 42 career starts with Cincinnati. That's 59.5%. But more importantly to us, he has made you money in the desert. If you blindly put $1 on the Reds every time Sonny Gray starts, you'd be up $4.08 right now, a tidy little return on investment of 9.7%. It's not bad at all. But it gets better for Sonny Gray. If you take Gray when he was favored, like he is today, the Reds are 16-9 and nine in those games when he is favored to win out in the desert. Nice little ROI of 6.9%. But wait, there's more. If you filter out Gray in home games only, and Gray's at home today, 16-6, 72.7%. Return on investment, 24.7%. So the bottom line is, Investing in Sonny Gray during his time with the Reds has been a profitable proposition. Now in his first start of the season today, off of an injury, can we count on 100 pitches in six innings? Who knows? But based on his track record, we can count on Gray to pitch well if he's right. But as investors, we're, ta- we're taking a chance on the fact that he's ready to go 100 pitches today. We'll see. In terms of handicapping this game, the Reds sitting about 140 right now, minus 140. If this line was in the 120, 125 range, we might have something, but it's tough to lay a line like minus 140 when you have a starting pitcher making his first start, coming off an injury, and we don't know how long we can expect him to go today. But since last night's game was such a blowout, both teams were able to rest the back end of their bullpens, so both teams have their best relief pitchers ready to go and well-rested. That's good news for Gray and the Reds because we don't think Gray will be sent out there more than five innings, even in a best-case scenario. So we'll pass on this game today, but the Reds are probably the play here again, like they were last night, especially if this line drops below 130 in the desert, which we may not see happen. But everything has changed this year for the Reds, right? The Reds are 8-5. and five. They're leading the National League Central. They're 6-1 and one at home. Good times are back in Cincinnati again. Will that last? Well, it has a better chance this year than at any time in recent history. So for the Reds' season this year, as the Wizard of Oz told us forever ago, and Pink Floyd blatantly plagiarized into millions in the 70s and beyond, there's no place like home. And that's the bottom line. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, hey, the NFL draft coming up in 12 days. You'll be able to hear that right here on ESPN Radio. We've always enjoyed the drama of the draft, and there's you know there's always that guy in the draft that dominates the draft. Not the Trevor Lawrence that's locked into going number one, and you already know where he's going. There's a guy that a number of teams could take in a number of different draft spots. And these draft expert mock drafts or whatever they're called, the Mel Kuypers of the world, they can't seem to agree in the same ballpark on where these guys will go. That guy this year is Justin Fields, the Ohio State and former Georgia quarterback. And I'll go to my grave saying if Georgia had made the right decision and found a way to keep Justin Fields in Athens, 
they might be walking around as national champions right now, not Alabama, instead of having to use a 5'10 walk-on quarterback most of their season this past year. But I digress. Let's just follow the money on Justin Fields. Where do our friends in the desert, where do they say Fields is going? Well, when the 49ers traded up to get that third pick a few weeks ago, do you really think they traded up to get Mac Jones, a guy that they could have gotten in the middle of the first round? And by the way, a former Kentucky commitment? How would he have looked here this year instead of Terry Wilson? We'll never know. They didn't move up just to get Mac Jones. And do you trust any Shanahan, whether it's Kyle or his father, Mark, Mike, to tell the truth around draft time? Do you trust any of them? I don't. About three weeks ago, Mac Jones was a huge favorite to be drafted by the 49ers with the third pick. But quietly this week, the odds out in the desert have flipped, and Justin Fields is now the favorite. Minus 135 to be taken by the Niners at that pick. While all the same time, the talking heads on television like Adam Schefter and guys like that, they're sticking by their original story that Mac Jones is a lock for San Francisco at number three. Okay. So you have to ask yourself, do you believe in the media who could be fed stories to get certain narratives out? Or do you believe the odds makers out in the desert who do this for a living, who are making sure that they've got all their information so they don't get taken to the cleaners. Yeah, I'm going to follow the odds makers. If you are if you answered the media to that question, you might be listening to the wrong show or you really need to listen to this show because I think now the desert has told us Fields is going third, if not second. And that's the bottom line there. But let's get to our Mac Daddy Stogie Picks presented by Jake Cigar Bar. How do you celebrate picking a winner? Head on down to Jake's, Jake Cigar Bar at Brandon Crossing. And light up that Mac Daddy Stogie even before the game ends. And light up that winning ticket early down at Jake's Cigar Bar. Uh, as they say down at Jake's, smoke local, drink local, and cross the line with us at Jake's Cigar Bar. Check them out online, jakescigarbar.com. By the way, if you're playing the underdogs in Major League Baseball this year like I am, well, you're feeling pretty good right now. Favorites on the season are 96-94 and 94, straight up. So if you're playing all the underdogs out in the desert, you've made a killing so far this year. Yesterday, the favorites went 6-6. Six and six. six favorites won, six favorites lost. That's how we like it, and that's a contrarian way to do it. And there's two games we really like today. We'll start at Yankee Stadium. The Rays, Tampa Bay, they are a, a slight favorite up in the Bronx. The Rays uh, won last night. They were a, an underdog a plus 145, and they beat the Yankees last night, snapping a three-game losing streak for Tampa, marked the third straight loss for the Yankees, who now sit in last place in the American League East, and it gets worse for the Yankees because now they have to face one of the hottest pitchers in baseball, Tyler Glass now, 0.46 ERA. Huh. Well, the Yankees have no chance today, huh? Well, the wise guys don't think that's the case because the wise guys jumped all over the Yankees as a home underdog in this one. Despite facing Tampa's ace today, the sharp money all over the Yankees. That line went from plus 120 to the Yankees, now down to about plus 105. The Yankees fit a lot of great systems, too, including the divisional home dog and the line move in their favor. We'll take the Yankees today because a lot of their underlying stats, even their team batting average, team ERA, all that favors the Yankees in this one. We'll take the Yankees. It gets glass now, one of the best pitchers in baseball, but the Yankees is a home dog. That's value. That's what we look for. We'll take the Yankees today in a good spot against Tampa. Do we think they're a better team? No, but 
you're getting a really good number today. We'll take the Yankees. And then tonight, the Giants and the Marlins. Marlins took last night's series opener as a plus-125 home dog. But after opening the season 1-6, they've kind of straightened things out. They've gone 5-1 and one six since. And then the Giants sent out Aaron Sanchez tonight, but the Marlins have their ace going. Sal- Sandy Alcantara with a 2.45 ERA. The line on this opened with Miami as a small favorite in this one. This has been pushed a little bit further. We're going to take Miami tonight as about an un, about an even money favorite, maybe a slight favorite Miami is tonight. But all the uh, the dogs and all the trends favor us. We've got the trendy dog. Everybody's on the Giants because you look at this game, you see, oh, look at this, Giants 8-5, and five, Marlins 6-7. and seven. Why would I take the Marlins today? Marlins have the better pitcher. A lot of the public is on the Giants right now, and a lot of the underlying stats indicate that Miami's actually the better team. Miami's the better hitting team. Uh, Miami is 239 batting average, 12th in baseball. The Giants, third from the worst batting average in baseball. And I think we get the better starting pitcher, and I know we get the better middle of the bullpen. Let's take the Marlins tonight. So there you have it, our two Mac Daddy Stogie picks. The Yankees is a rare home underdog to Tampa Bay. And we'll take the Marlins as about a small, a very small favorite tonight down in Miami against the Giants. So there you have it, folks. Our two uh, Mac Daddy Stogies. Remember those favorites, 96 and 94 on the year. So you're getting a lot of dogs that are barking. They have a ton of value right now. You can take those bad boys to the desert and smoke them. But coming up after the break, Brian Howard of Stable Duel will join us to give us his Keeneland picks for the day. That's next, right here on ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300 92.5. Bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. I got a text. What's your favorite Pig Floyd song? I don't know. Maybe Run Like Hell? Money? I don't know. Something like I'm just saying. Not a huge Pink Floyd fan, but back in the day. I just went to that concert. I got roped into that. Neither here nor there. Let's get to somebody who could help us cash some tickets today. He's our good friend from Stable Duel. He is the man who uh, is going to give us some picks today. He's going to give us some money. Well, he better because I'm sick and tired to see a dead air dentist walking around here pointing at me and laughing. He's our good friend Brian Howard of Stable Duel. Brian, how are you this morning, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Hey, where are you guys going to be at today? We will be at Mirror Twin Brewing again from about 11 a.m. through the Keeneland card. We'll have the TV out, maybe some cornhole. We'll be having a few beverages, gambling with the with the fans, and watching people play Stable Duel. Sounds like my kind of day. Now, you were telling me that there is going to be some wrestlers there or something? Well, yeah, today uh, we've got in town Blackjack Fletcher, who's one of our one of our fun people that we work with. He's a professional gambler, and uh, he's actually co-host a live stream for America's Best Racing with former WWE star Summer Rae. So she's going to be in town. He's going to be over there with us. She's going to be with us. We're going to have a fun day over there. No SD Jones or Leap and Lanny Poffo the Genius? They're not there? <laughs> No, no, they no? haven't. They haven't called and said they want to play oh, uh, well, yet. <laughs> we'll still hold out hope for the genius. Now, Leap and Lanny, he's he's a man back in the day. Okay, now we get li- new listeners here every day, and I get people on social media. What is this stable duel thing you're doing? You're posting all these pictures of of it and stuff. Tell us again yeah. about stable duel. Yeah, so stable duel is basically like a. It's very similar to a daily fantasy football, basketball, baseball game. You have a salary cap of fifty thousand dollars, 
you have to pick 10 horses for your stable from whatever track you decide to play that day. And the, you know, their salaries are based on their morning line odds. And you just watch your points rack up throughout the day for try to win some big money. I've played this literally every day of the Keeneland meet, and I'm telling you, it is addictive. It is a wonderful little game. It'll keep you occupied literally all day long because you're never out of it, and you're never, you've never won it, even at the end. So it's a, it's a great little way to uh, try to get some action down and win some money. But enough of that. I need some picks, Brian Howard. Give me some picks. I need some winners because I can't stand this dead or dentist sitting around here laughing at me all day. I need winners. Give me some winners today, Brian Howard at Keeneland. <laughs> All right, it sounds good. I hope I didn't empty my glass yesterday. I gave out a couple big ones. <laughs> so we'll go into today's card. There's a couple horses I like throughout the card. I'll talk to you about a little bit of a value play first in the fifth race. I like the two-horse, Fieldstone, at 12-1, to 1, which will cost you $750 towards your stable dual salary. Uh, this horse runs his best numbers on the grass, uh, hasn't missed the board at the distance or on the grass. He gets, as you well know, <laughs> I love to play Jim Graham on the grass out there at Keeneland. So uh, we get we get Graham aboard. Uh, the pace should be there for this horse to close into in the stretch, and hopefully he does me good like he did yesterday and brings home about a $31 horse. Okay, what's uh, that's your value pick of the day. Uh, what's your best uh, chalk pick of the day? Well, and I, I, to be fair, this isn't even that chalky. Um, in the ninth race, which is the feature race today, I like the six horse tide of the sea. It's going to be morning line four to one, which will cost you $7,000 of your salary on stable duel. This horse is one for one at Keeneland, two for two at the distance. It's been in the money nine of 11 times. Uh, this is a mile and a half race on the grass, which is one of the very few grass races that I like to see horses go to the lead in. You can go wire to wire at a mile and a half on the grass here. I think they're going to try to do that. And uh, hopefully we just get a nice soft pace up front and it has enough of the tank and the stretch to hang on. All right. I, I was looking at that race and I kind of like the number two, say the word in that one. But we'll take your uh, we'll take your advice on that one. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's a few horses that can win that race. This is by far not, not something that I'm just slam dunking here. Well, we were talking about yesterday. You gave us all your winners yesterday, but you can't give us any winners today when we actually do talk to you on the air. So, yeah, thank you so much, Brian Howard. Thanks for nothing. There's his pick of the day, ladies and gentlemen. In the fifth race, uh, number two, Fieldstone, great value, 12 to 1. And in the ninth, the uh, sixth race, Tired of the Sea. You're a great sport, Brian. Tell us where we can find you. If there are any more picks you have today, maybe in other tracks, or in where we can find you on social media. Okay, so to be fair, I haven't looked at all the other cards yet, okay. but if I see something, I'll tweet it to you, and you can tweet it out Amen. to people. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Brian Howard SD, and you can always follow at Stable Duel as well. Uh, if you have any questions, please DM us. Our DMs are open. We'll get back with you. Uh, the only other, I do have a little side story. There's a horse also in the fifth race today at Keeneland named the Humongous One. He's a, he, I think it's the six horse. He's 50 to one on the morning line. I will not play this horse today, and I would advise you not as well. However, you know, there's always a horse you run into that you just kind of fall in love with. I've been watching this horse run at Turfway for a very long time, and this horse is literally humongous. So take a look at it in the post parade and just get a, get a good chuckle at how big this horse is compared to the pony. Brian Howard of Stable Duel warns us, stay away from a horse called the humongous one at 50-1. to 1. Now, that's information you don't get anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. 
Brian, we really appreciate it. You'll be back with us tomorrow, and we hopefully you'll be celebrating that the winners that you gave us today and the stay away from the humongous one at 51. <laughs> Thank you so much again, as always, Brian Howard. And as always, may the winners be yours today, my friend. Thanks. Have a good day, man. You too, buddy. That is Brian Howard of Stable Duel. He is uh, one of the gr- nicest guys in the business. Yeah, I've met him, and he's a good guy, and he knows his horses. So, yeah. In the fifth race, number two, Fieldstone. And in the ninth race, number six, Tide of the Sea. But coming up after the break, we're going to talk Major League Baseball, NFL Draft, all kinds of good fun stuff with our good friend, Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. It's coming up right after the break here on ESPN Radio 1300 and 92.5. ESPN Radio 1300, 92.5. The bottom line with Brad Taylor. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective brought to you by Stable Duel. Our next guest... Needs no introduction here on this show. He is the host of the Sports Stove Podcast. He is our good friend, Vince Stover. Vince, how you doing today, my friend? I am doing great, Brad. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Hey, I'm looking at the uh, Major League Baseball standings this morning. Uh, a lot of mediocre teams. And then you look at the very bottom, L.A. Dodgers, 12-2. and two. Are we just biding our time until the Dodgers just uh, win the World Series because they've got the biggest payroll, and right now they're sitting at 12-2, and two, and the analytics project them sitting at about 108 to 110 wins projected on the season. Why are we even playing the season? <laughs> That's a great question. Uh, Seven-game win streak plus 39 uh, uh, run differential right now for L.A. They appear to be the team in Major League Baseball, although Oakland's making a little run there uh, in the AL West as well at the moment. But, uh, yeah, I think, I mean, L.A.'s the clear favorite right now to take it all. Well, you mentioned Oakland. You talk about the American League. Let's look at the American League East leaders right now. Boston Red Sox, <laughs> Kansas City Royals, Seattle Mariners. Those are your, your three division leaders in the American League. Nobody had those guys before the season started. Anywhere close to being barely 500, much less leading their division. Is this going to keep up, or are we just in a – it's a too early mode right now. Oh, definitely too early. Everything's starting to even out now. Um, you know, with the exception of Boston, who's been on a phenomenal run as of late, and New York have a really bad streak right now. Everything else is starting to come back around. Oakland uh, is starting to move up. They started really, really slow. Cleveland's there at the top as well. Uh, you're seeing even in the National League, same thing. You're seeing more of the. The what was was expected to come back around the Mets playing well, uh, those kinds of things too. So you know the, the American League is going to be interesting. Um, you know you said it, Seattle right now on top, but Oakland's climbing. Uh, the Angels have been okay. Houston's just cratering right now, a six game losing streak. Um, but I mean, you look at the East: Boston, Toronto, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, and then the Yankees. <laughs> it's, it, it'll even out before it's all said and done. Yeah, you talk about some of these teams, and uh, you know the Red Sox being nine and four. I think their manager Joey Cora figured out how to cheat without using garbage cans. I think he's <laughs> yeah, he's he spent the year last year trying to figure out another way to cheat because he was suspended for cheating. So you know, no big deal. Yeah, well, work work smarter, not harder. <laughs> exactly. But hey, those are I'm going to write that down. That's the words to live by here on the bottom line with Brad Taylor and our guest Vince Stover from the Sports Stove Podcast. Let's look at uh, your division, the National League Central where uh, my pick to win the division and your favorite team, the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, I don't know how they're 7-6, and six, to be honest. Uh, do you really see the Reds sitting at 8-5, one game up, and a huge 6-1 and one home record right now? 
You think this is going to stick around this year, the Reds being this good and contending for this division? No, I don't think so. Their run differential is starting to, to fall. They were top in the league just last week, and now they're third, I think, in the league in run differential. So it's starting to it's starting to come back to the to the normal for them. Um, they've had a great start to the season, and it's going to make for a fun central. I mean, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, St. Louis are all going to be, I think, right there for most of the season together. Um, but I, I can't imagine that everything's going to stay as hot as it was for Cincinnati to start the season. I think they'll regress back down to second and third here pretty soon. The Reds' biggest weakness that I see is that bullpen. Because not only they yeah. do they not know who's closing games, because, I mean, Garrett's got a double-figure figure ERA right now, but uh, and Lucas Sims closed the last opportunity they had. But you look at a team like the Dodgers, too. If they have a flaw, you talk about the 12-2 and Dodgers and the you know huge favorite out in the desert to win this thing, it's that bullpen. You can't trust the Dodgers' bullpen completely. If they got that bullpen fixed by the trade deadline, then I would say, oh, this is no doubt winner. But as long as a team like the Reds and the Dodgers have these bullpen issues, I can't count on either one of them, especially the Dodgers, to win the whole thing because I know they won it with that bullpen last year. But does last year really count with the COVID? Eh, I don't know. Yeah, but you know, bullpens are weak kind of across the board right now. Milwaukee's supposed to have a really good bullpen, but their rookie of the year last year, Devin Williams, he's not been good. Now, Hayter's still been good. um, But outside of that, the bullpens have really been failing the teams uh, right now uh, as a whole. So that's going to, again, it's going to even out eventually. It's just a matter of when and will it be too late. It's such a long season, though. You know, I don't I don't think that, that it's going to play that big of a factor. Uh, when you're looking at bullpens, closing out games and stuff like that, right now Chicago has the best uh, closers as far as stats go uh, in the Central, but they're the worst team in the Central right now. <laughs> so, you know, it, it it will even itself out eventually. Yeah, that's. I look at a team like the Yankees we were talking about earlier. They're sitting at five and eight uh, right now. They have the best bullpen from you know from setup to setup to closer. Those last three guys, they yeah. have the best bullpen. That's why there's no need to worry about some of these teams that have gotten off the, the rough starts right now. But let's talk about the NFL draft. That's why we're really here. We love the draft. Yeah. Uh, my favorite guy in this draft is Justin Fields. And quietly this week, we talked about this earlier on the show, quietly our friends out of the desert now say that Justin Fields is the favorite to go third to the 49ers, not Mac Jones. And then you think to yourself, huh, well, why would they have traded up to third just to get Mac Jones? Now it's starting to make sense. Justin Fields now, the odds makers say Justin Fields is the favorite to go third to the Niners, although the talking media types like Adam Schefter's of the world say, oh, no, it's still Mac Jones. Your thoughts on this one, Vince Dover? All right, so a couple things with this. Number one, you don't trade up three first-round draft picks to go up and get Mac Jones. Not You just don't do it. It's too much money for him, too much capital for him. The second thing is, if you know anything about the San Francisco front office and coaching staff, they don't let things leak. They have been very good at keeping things close to the vest. They've made trades. They've made things that happen that no one knew was coming. There's no reason for everyone to know what they're doing at number three right now because that's not how they work. So I just, for the life of me, I can't believe it's Mac Jones, even though the top of the top when it comes to reporters, the Adam Schefters, uh, the McShays, all these guys are saying everything we're hearing is Mac Jones. Well, it's got to be a smokescreen. And I think that you're looking at, uh, I said Trey Lance is the guy that I think is going number three, but uh, it wouldn't surprise me Justin Fields or even if they really shake things up 
and go with one of the top talents like Jamar Chase at number three, just because we're not hearing it and you don't hear what they're actually going to do. It's been in the past at the very least, 49ers have been great with keeping in-house their decisions. Our friends out in the desert say Justin Fields minus 135 to go third. Mac Jones plus 125. Trey Lance is the third pick at plus 380. So Vince Stover says, hey, that plus 380 with Trey Lance at the third pick might be worth a little bit of an investment there. Eh, Maybe, maybe. I don't know if, I don't know if, if, from what I've seen and heard, I don't know if I could pull the trigger on that one at number three, but you make a good point with that. By the way, quick aside, uh, our good friend Alan Stein here at ESPN Radio said uh, Alan, uh, said uh, Amir Garrett and Sims will be fine at the end of the Reds bullpen. Uh, sorry, Alan. I don't. Okay, I see it with Sims maybe, but Garrett uh, has, still has to prove it to me. But, uh, we'll, we've, we've moved on from baseball. I've had enough of that. Let's get back to football, uh, Vince Dover. So we've got Trevor Lawrence number one. Are we convinced fully that Zach Wilson is number two, or could they switch to Justin Fields? We know that the Jets have a lot of 49ers ties with uh, their front office, is there any chance of anybody other than Zach Wilson going second in this one? No, I think, well, I mean, you're saying there's a chance, sure. But yeah. uh, Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson's going number two. Lawrence is going number one. It gets really interesting at number three, four, and five. Is going to be really intriguing picks. Um, you know, and we'll see. Uh, you know, to me, you got those top two picks, and then four, you know, you know I'm pretty sure quarterback's going three. So then at four, you're looking at the Falcons, five, the Bengals. You know, you, you kind of know which players could go there, but which ones exactly, that one's going to be hard to figure out. You said you weren't a big believer in fields at three. Let's say he doesn't go third. Where does he go then? Uh, it'll either be pick four or pick seven, more than likely. Um, you know, Detroit's at seven. They could trade down. Teams like Denver could move up. Um, you know, people keep on talking about the Patriots moving up to get a quarterback, but again, that's not what Bill Belichick does. Now, if you're talking about moving up two or three spots, that's one thing, but the jump from 15 up to seven, he's going to have to give up too much capital. I don't see that happening. Um, but I think, you know, you're looking at a team like Detroit who's got Jared Goff. I mean, do they believe in Jared Goff? I, I don't know anybody that does. So they could take a quarterback at seven or Denver, um, Washington, Chicago, New England are all teams that are kind of quarterback needy. But I think uh, four is an interesting spot for Atlanta. Justin Fields, if he's there at four, Trey Lance, if he's there at four, I mean, that's hard to pass up a quarterback that could be the future, even if you're still going to play Matt Ryan another season or two before you put in the, the, the rookie quarterback. You and I were trading some texts earlier this week, and you brought up some really interesting points about Atlanta and uh, their future, with especially with their quarterback position if they keep Matt Ryan around. Uh, compared to the rest mm-hmm. of the teams in that division, you know, there might be some value there taking the Falcons to win that division. I thought that was a good point you made. Let's look at the Bengals for a minute. It's A lot of people are saying now it's between Kyle Pitts if he's there or Jamar Chase, the wide receiver. You'd have to think if the front office of the Bengals know what they're doing, and let's just face it, they don't, you'd have to think that they're going to take the former teammate of their quarterback, Joe Burrow, and take Jamar Chase because – they had such great success when they were together at LSU. Your thoughts on who the Bengals will be taking at number five? Well, you said it, uh, they had historic success at LSU together, Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow. Um, you know, to me, Kyle Pitts makes the most sense if he's there, just because it gives you more versatility. But I, I don't think it—I don't think Cincinnati can lose if they take Pitts, if they take Chase, or if they go offensive line at number five. It's it. There's. 
you just can't go wrong <laughs> with any of those picks. I assume it's going to be Chase just because at this point, I think the organization wants, wants Joe Burrow to be as happy as possible. And Jamar Chase and T. Higgins uh, running wide receiver for, for the Bengals for a long time going uh, is, is a pretty enticing, I think, situation for Cincinnati. Our friends in the desert have Jamar Chase at five and a half and where he's going to go in the draft. And it's about even money on both sides. So they think, yeah, he's probably going to go at five, and he doesn't. He's probably going to go at six. But, yeah, it's Definitely. Burrow could probably – Probably use the offensive tackle more, but it's as a kind of a good gesture, a show of good faith. Yeah, he's got to take the receiver here and the one he has familiarity yeah, with. You can get a good lineman in the second round, right. and Cincinnati has a bigger need on the interior line as opposed to the tackle position. And so, you know, if you take a tackle, I mean, it's not, if you take a tackle at five, it's fine. It'll be it'll work out well for him. But they brought in Riley Reef in the offseason, a tackle out of Min- uh, that was at Minnesota. And uh, their their greater need is at guard, and uh, you can wait till the second, maybe third or fourth round to get a solid guard uh, in the draft as well. So uh, I think going with a top line player like Chase or Pitts makes the most sense for the Bengals at five. Denver Broncos sitting at six right now. I'm going to list off these names of their quarterbacks since Peyton Manning's retirement: Brock Osweiler, nine, right? Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco, Drew Locke. Brandon Allen, Jeff Griskell, Brett Rippon, and a running back, Philip Lindsay. So they've had nothing at quarterback for the last five seasons. <laughs> what are they doing? They have to take a quarterback, you'd think, here, right? Yeah, well, they're down. They're at nine, aren't they? They're at six right now. Did they trade up? I'm sorry, they're at nine. Miami's I apologize. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, it, you know, sitting at nine, they can move up. Uh, to four or seven, I think, or maybe even move up to six. Maybe Miami would go down again, depending on what happens ahead of them. Um, I, you know, you don't want to reach for a quarterback if you're Denver. If the guys that you think is, are the best are gone, there's no reason just to draft a quarterback to draft a quarterback. They put out all this information about Drew Locke doing film sessions with Peyton Manning in the offseason. And to me, that's setting up the fans for letting them know we're not drafting a quarterback. <laughs> so we're going to. We're going to push this out with, with Drew Locke, and they're going to expect to maybe get the first first pick next year in the draft, and maybe they can get their quarterback next year. That's what I think they're leaning towards. But it depends on what happens at four. They might they might have to uh, trade up because maybe a quarterback like Trey Lance or Justin Fields falls a little bit, gives them a great opportunity to go up and get a guy in the future. I don't think they're going to Mac Jones, though, <laughs> where they are at nine. And uh, so, you know. If the right quarterback's there, by all means, go for it. If not, uh, improve your team and and take your chances with Drew Locke. Real quick, last draft question for today. Uh, My favorite kind of wager on the board, under one and a half running backs taken in the first round. Would you agree with that or disagree? I would say yes. I would say under, you said one and a half. One and a half, yes. one, One running back in the first round. Um, and it might be a surprise. I think the kid out of North Carolina, and I can't think of his name for the life of me right now, he's probably the one that could go. I think Najee Harris and ETN get pushed to the second round. Uh, but you got teams like Pittsburgh. Um, they're right now their starting running back is Benny Snell. And uh, so th- they could be looking for a running back, and they're later in the first round. Those kinds of teams are the teams to watch for in that 20, I'd say 26 and later. But, um, yeah, I would go under one and a half. All right, Vince Dover, it's an MMA day. Go. All right, so this is the last fight before the big one next weekend. But 
Uh, you might not know as many names on this card tonight, UFC Vegas 24, but there's going to be some good fights. Main main event, Robert Whitaker, Kevin Gastelum, uh, the favorite Whitaker at minus 270. It may not be value, but he's going to win that fight. The the last two or second and third match of the night, Jeremy Stevens, Dracar Close. It's close according to the odds. I go plus 100, Dracar Close. And then Andre Arlovsky versus Chase Sherman. Sherman's at minus 105, Arlovsky at minus 115. We're going to go minus 105, Sherman. And that one. So give me Sherman, Close, and Whitaker to close out the night tonight. UFC Vegas 24. Sherman, Close, and Whitaker. We give you nothing but winners here on the bottom line with Brad Taylor. Vince, tell them where we can find you on social media. Uh, on Twitter, at Sports Stove. And anywhere you find your podcast, you can find the Sports Stove podcast. We're doing our draft uh, preview continuing this weekend. And then we've got a big interview coming up here in the near future with UFC fighter Smiling Sam Alvey and his wife, McKee will be joining us uh, as well. He's the best in the business, folks. He's Vince Stover, the Sports Stove Podcast. My friend, thank you so much for joining us this morning. May the winners be yours tonight in the MMA. <laughs> Thanks, Brad. Have a good one. You too, buddy. That's Vince Stover of the Sports Stove Podcast. Thank him for joining us. We'll come back and uh, get you ready for the rest of the day here on ESPN Radio right after this here on, on uh, The Bottom Line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. ESPN Radio 1392.5. Boy, this song brings back some memories. Hey, the bottom line with Brad Taylor, presented by Stable Duel. Sports talk from a handicapping perspective. We are running late. Make sure to listen to uh, ESPN Radio later today, 340, in fact. You'll hear uh, the Reds in Cleveland from Great America Ballpark. Reds sitting about minus 140 right now. And then tonight at 8 o'clock on ESPN Radio, Golden State at Boston. Celtics are a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Make sure to tune in tomorrow, 8 o'clock in the morning. Backspin Golf with Matthew Lawrence. Then us on the bottom line at 9, and then the Angelo Show at 10. So lock us in and rip off the knobs for sports radio at its finest all weekend here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening. You can email the show anytime, bottomlinelex at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at bottomlinelex. And until the next time, as always, may the winners be yours.